You're listening to Southside Baptist Church Podcast with our pastor, Dr. Jeff Parker. For more audio content, please refer to our website at ssbaptistchurch.com. It is critical that you and I know the heart of God. Amen. If we do not know the heart of God, then we will never be an effective witness for Christ. We, we can never be. And it is critical that we understand and, and, know, and know the heart of God. And uh, we thank God for all these children now as they're beginning to make their way. And Christina and the fantastic job she's doing in leading our children's ministry. It is, it is a joy to see what God is doing in the life of, of so many of these kids. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter, Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. Last week we looked at the crucifixion. And today we're going to be looking at the subject of the death of Jesus Christ, okay? Now I want you to do something that's going to be very, very difficult for you to do. But I want you to look this way, and, and, and it's, going, it's probably going to be one of the hardest things that you've ever had to say as a believer, okay? But I want you to understand that when these words were said, the context by which they were said in this time... Jesus is dead. Okay? Now, I want, you to, I want you to hang with that thought for a minute. I want you to roll it around in your head for a moment because there was a moment in history when the words were said, Jesus is dead. You know, one of my favorite illustrations and, and one that I've loved... In fact, this week... I, kind of working on this ceiling, and, and I felt like I'm in an igloo, you know. I think it was Kathy who said, we look like we're in an igloo, igloo Baptist church, you know. But anyway, uh, I, I was working on this ceiling, and, and I got to laughing and thinking about an illustration that's one of my favorites. And uh, it was in a place up in the far north, up in Canada, where uh, a man had moved, and he was living there, and he came to this road, and, and it came to this point that... He had to cross this lake. The lake was frozen. And, and this man was not sure about this lake. He didn't know how, how, how strong the ice was, how thick it was. And so this man began to do this, like some of us. He began to inch out on that ice and he began to push on it. And finally he realized that he had to get across this lake, this frozen lake. So he got down on his hands and knees and he began to go across that lake. He was inching his way across and he became so afraid that finally he was laying down and he was making making his way across this frozen lake ever so slowly. And then all of a sudden he heard, I love this, all of a sudden he heard in the background a team of horses and a man in an old wagon, an old man. The wagon was loaded with cargo and this team of six horses was pulling this wagon and all of a sudden he turned and he looked at this man that man and he said wow and he popped that whip and he took those uh he took that team across that frozen lake and kept on going and went out onto the other side and hit the road and just kept moving and here was this man inching his way i love that because in some ways that's you and i some ways, that's the way we are. When it comes to security, when it comes to 
the security of our salvation, eternal security. We can't worship, we can't witness, we can't pray, we can't read our Bible. There's so much that we can't do because we're too busy calling ourselves walking by faith when all and, and when in reality we are inching our way along unsure, uncertain with little faith until somebody comes along and they just know they're saved, they know they're a believer, they know they have a relationship with Christ, and they seem to be going through this life, this Christian life, with such victory, such tenacity, such strength, such security. We look at them and we say, how are you able to do it? I can tell you, they believe. They believe. I want you to take your Bibles and look at Luke chapter 23. Because in Luke chapter 23, beginning at verse 44, Luke, this physician, is writing to his friend Theophilus. He's been taking us through the life of Jesus Christ, inspired by the Holy Spirit. He's put all of this information together. We believe, because he was a traveling partner of Paul, that Paul was probably in prison and he gave... Luke this time in order to investigate and get all this information and bring it together. And now last week, we watched as Luke describes the crucifixion and those people that were around the crucifixion. And then we pick up today in Luke chapter 23, verse 44. It was now about the sixth hour and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. For the sun stopped shining I told you last week that Jesus was hanging on the cross naked. And I love what Bob Smith said here. He said, God just simply put his hand over the sun and said, you will not allow, you people will not allow, I will not allow you to see my son like this. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands... I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. At that moment, Jesus is dead. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw that it took place, they beat their breast. And they went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, that is the Sanhedrin. He was a good and upright man. In fact, I want you to look this way. Outside of this title being given to Jesus and God, this is the first time Luke gives it to a man. He says that Joseph of Arimathea was a good and upright man who had not consented to their decision. That is the decision of the Sanhedrin to crucify Jesus. He had not consented to that decision and had not taken that action. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea. He was waiting for the kingdom of God. That's the way we all need to be. Going to Pilate, he asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, he wrapped it in linen cloth, he placed it in a tomb cut into the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. It was preparation day and the Sabbath 
was about to begin. So he had to hurry up and do this. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph. They saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. They went home, they prepared spices and perfume, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we pray, dear Lord, that the power of your Holy Spirit that has been so real in this time of praise and worship will continue through the time of your reading of your word. Father, would you touch our hearts? Dear Lord, that song, open up my heart, open up your heart. Lord, we need to know the heart of God. Sometimes the only way we can know that is through the pain and the suffering of relationships, the hurt that we go through. For it's in those moments we are in the very heart of God. We understand sometimes raising a rebellious child or a wayward a friend or, or loved one or whatever it may be, Lord, that we face. Sometimes it's our opportunity to see the heart of you, God. Lord, we ask that you also open up our hearts. Illuminate them with the Holy Spirit. Teach us something today that may change our life forever. And we will give you the glory. Father, forgive us, cleanse us. If there's anything in our life that in any way would hinder your Holy Spirit from working. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want to ask you some. How many of you have your Bible today? Okay. If you don't, get a pew Bible. You'll need it. Okay. Grab a pew Bible if there's one near you. If not, get with somebody that has a Bible because, because this is important. We're going to go to a theology class today. So the sermon's going to be a little bit different. But I want you to listen and I want you to listen very closely, okay? Everybody say amen if you heard me. Amen. amen. That sounds really weak. Let's say it again. Amen. amen. That means so be it. That's a response to the truth. So be it. So we're going to be in a little bit of a theology class today, and that's going to be all right. Reggie's going to be tuned in because Reggie's working on his Master of Divinity right now, and he'll be in class tomorrow taking exams. So we need to pray for Reggie, but also, Reggie, you'll feel right at home, won't you? And Richard, sitting behind him, has gone down that trail as well. So we good to have Richard and Amber here today. But I want you to think about that for a moment. Sooner or later in your life and in my life, we're going to hear these words. I've heard them over and over again. As a pastor over 30 years, I've, I've gotten that call. Somebody calls me and says, Brother Jeff, I just want you to know Mama's gone. Mama's dead. Daddy's gone. Daddy's dead. I've, I've gone to... I remember going to a hospital one time where a young man in his 20s was dying of a disease, dying of cancer. He was in excruciating pain. And I watched his dad with tears and in agony just beating the hallway walls of that hospital, just so broken over that son. He was dying of leukemia. That dad loved his son so much. And I remember that moment we gathered around and that, that son was in such pain and we prayed that God would take him. A few minutes later, I stepped down that hallway, came back, and that dad came out with tears in his eyes, relief in his voice. He said, Brother Jeff, he's gone. He's dead. You and I can never forget this. Jesus died. And I want you and I to grasp that and to mull over it and think over it today because these three words are so alien to us. Jesus is dead. It echoed through the Judean hillside. It 
echoed and reverberated all the way down through the pit of hell. When the Roman soldier took his spear and lacerated the periocardial cavity of Jesus Christ, and the Bible said that blood and water began to pour out. Blood and fluid began to come out. The Roman soldier was verifying, making it clear, he is dead. And that news spread everywhere. The Nazarene, the Galilean, the man who had raised Lazarus from the dead. And Lazarus' life was still being threatened at this time. The man who had walked on water, the man who had restored sight to the blind, the man who had caused dead, deaf men to hear, the man who had repeatedly touched a, a, a funeral procession of a young man whose mother was going to bury him. And that young man came to life over and over again. This man had had the influence and the power of God, the Holy Spirit in, the, in, the, in his hands, and yet he's dead. Jesus is dead. Mary heard it. John the Beloved heard it. Peter heard it from a distance. Soon the news reached Thomas and Matthew and everyone began to hear, Jesus is dead. Roman soldiers said, it's finished, it's over with. Pilate washed his hands, he said, I'm through, it's done, it's finished. Herod began to rejoice. Sanhedrin began to celebrate. Jesus is dead. Joseph of Arimathea, because of the Passover approaching, quickly got permission from Pilate to take down the body under the authority, under the, under the watchful eye of the Roman soldiers. And he took that body. And the Bible said that he hurriedly began to wrap it and prepare it as best he could with the women watching. You can imagine this scene, the intensity of emotion as these women are gathered as they're taking the body of Jesus. And the Bible said they put it in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, a rich man who was a member of the Sanhedrin. They rolled that stone there and that crossed that entrance. They posted guards there and they said, it's done. People who loved him and followed him were now broken. He's dead. We can never forget Jesus was dead. And I want you to reflect on that for a moment because the Bible says, and I, I want to give you some clear statements today. These are theological statements, things you and I can hang our hats on. Jesus was dead. Now the Bible says, and Luke tells us here, in, in verse 46, it said, Jesus called out with a loud voice. He said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he said this, he breathed his last. In other words, the Bible says, in the King James it says, he gave up the ghost. He gave up his spirit. Now that's a strange way for somebody to die. That's a strange way for it even to be worded here. But it's the only way that Jesus could die. You see, Jesus had made this statement already even to his enemies who were threatening him with death. He said, listen, no one can take my life from me. That's a bold statement. Imagine you're here in South Jackson one day. You're going home one evening. You come up to the door of your home only to be met by a couple of thieving thugs. Or walking out with your TV. 
One of them pulls out a 38 and says, if you make one move, or if you say one thing, or you try to run, I'll shoot you. You look at him and say, you can't kill me. You can't take my life. The only way my life can be taken from me is if I voluntarily give it up. Wow. And my friend, that's a theological statement. Jesus said to the Roman authorities, He said, no one takes my life from me. In other words, what He was saying is, you can't kill me and I won't die. The only way I'll die is if I agree to die voluntarily. That is a powerful statement. The soul that sinneth, the Bible says, shall surely die. But Jesus had no sin. So he can't die. Now I want you to think about that because that's a deep valley of theology there. The enemy, our enemy, the devil, is called the accuser of the brethren. He's the father of lies. But in this case, our enemy had no legal grounds... Jesus could not die because he had never sinned. So the only way Jesus would die was of his own free will, voluntarily, substitutionary lamb that would die, or like a lamb going to the slaughter. This is critical. This is critical for you and I to understand this. Now I want you to take a right. And I want you to go over to Romans chapter 5. Go over, leave Luke, go past John, go past Acts. And I I want you to see this. Luke chapter 5, picking up at verse 12. Why is this important to you and I? Look Look at Romans chapter 5, beginning at verse 12. Go from Luke, John, Acts, right over there, over into Romans. In Romans chapter 5, verse 12, watch what Paul said. This is the great theological treatise... Of the, of the Scripture. Paul says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through how many men? One man. Anybody want to name him? Adam. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men, because why? Because all sinned. For before the law was given, sin was in the world, but sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam Adam, to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass, for if many died by the trespass, Of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ? Well, what does that mean? What does Paul say? Paul said to you and I, he said, listen, we need to understand that sin, this thing we call sin, this disease of sin entered by my great, 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 great grandfather. And his name is Adam. And when Adam sinned there in the garden, when he disobeyed God, In that moment, he literally contracted the disease of sin and that disease has been going from one generation to the next to the next. Let me give you an example. Do you have to teach a child to sin? Do you have to teach a child... Now, son, I want to talk to you a little bit about rebellion today. Now, look at me real closely. Now, next time I tell you to do something, you go... Now, say it with me, son. No. Now, son, if you want to add a little bit to it, throw a little fit, okay? Now, let me show you how to throw a fit. Get down and kick. Or get a real defiant look in your face and, 
and look at me and go, no! Okay, now you're with me, son. Are we together here? You see, that sounds silly to us because we know, and you know, if you've had a child, and you've brought that child in the world, and you're in the process of raising that child, you don't have to teach that child sinful behavior, rebellion. They know it. Why? Because great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather, Adam, contracted the disease of sin, and it's been going through one generation. This is what Paul was saying in Romans 5.12. He says, through that one man... We all acquired this virus, this disease, and we call it sin. Now, where does sin lead? Lead us. Look at Romans chapter 6, verse 23. I want you to see this. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. And I turned, I may have done like you did. I went back to Luke. So I've got to, it'll take me a minute. Romans chapter 6. Verse 23. In fact, this is a passage out of the Roman road. Watch what Paul said here. For the wages of sin is what? It's death. You see, now what the Bible says, all the way back in the garden, God told Adam, He said, Adam and Eve, He said, now look, let's, let's have a short meeting here. You people, you've got it made. You've got it made. You've got a BMW. You've got a house by the reservoir. Uh, you, 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 you've got money in the bank. Uh, you, you see this? You see this? You see all of this expanse of this land? It's all yours. Uh, in fact, I want you to have dominion over it. You, you, man, listen, you see all those trees? Peach trees, apple trees, uh, 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 pear trees. Look, all of it's yours. You can just, hey, there's not a weed. Man, first, you don't even know what a weed is, so let's not even talk about weeds. I mean, you've got it made. All I want you to do, now wait a minute, before you, before you go, I want you, to, I want you to understand this. There's this one tree. You may say, well, that's, you, why are you using the Christmas tree? Well, because some people, this is all they see come Christmas. And this is the way the devil does a tree. You think the devil does it? This way he does a tree. He hangs some lights on it, gets some shiny balls, and stretches some ribbon. Boy, he makes it look really, really good. That's the way the enemy works. He'll dress up sin just like this. And so here the enemy, here the enemy is sitting there. He, the, the enemy's listening. And God says to Adam and Eve, He said, Now listen, I, just, just stay away from this tree. <laughs> Man, look, whatever you do, don't come around this tree. And Lord knows, don't eat one of these. Because the day you eat this, you will, in the Hebrew, you will die, die. Now, wait a minute. What do you mean? You're going to die physically, and you're going to die spiritually. Stay away from here. Well, I can tell you, no sooner had God gotten out of the way, oh, Satan, we wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you... Hey, come over here. God, God didn't really mean that. He's just, he's just an old killjoy. You see, that's the way the enemy works. And so you and I, every single one of us, we've been affected by, by sin. And the wages of that sin is death. And the soul that sinneth, it shall surely die. And when the Bible says that, it means death physically. The moment you and I were born, we've begun to die. I love my little grandchildren. I can tell you this much, every one of them are dying men and women. You and I are in the process of dying physically. And without Jesus Christ, spiritually, you and I are already dead. You see, this doesn't make any, doesn't make any difference to you.
Bible doesn't mean anything. The preaching and, and prayer and worship and all these things mean nothing to you because you are empty. I told you what Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple, his best, one of his best friends made this statement about Steve Jobs with all of his billions of dollars. He made this statement. It was recorded in his biography. He said, Steve had a hole in him and he spent his life trying to fill it. And some of you in this room, you're spiritually dead. And so none of this makes any difference to you all at all. You're, you're physically dying and spiritually there's a hole. And Jesus said this. He said, listen, you don't fear. You don't fear the one that can kill the body. You better fear the one who can kill the soul. Some people say, well, you know, that's all right. Guy out here selling drugs, guy out here pillaging in, in homes and stealing and robbing the thugs who run the streets of a lot of this city. You know what their thought is? You know why they don't, they're not worried about death? Because this is their thought. Well, who cares? When I die, it's over with. They'll just tuck me away in the ground and I'll be through. No, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says physically you'll die like that. The Bible says, you know how long it takes to kill a soul? Eternity. It takes eternity in hell to kill a soul. And so here Jesus was dead. But I want to, there's a second point and then we'll close. Not only is Jesus, Jesus was dead, but I want you to listen to something. I am dead. And if you're a believer and, you're, and you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, in some ways you're a dead man walking, a dead woman walking. R.G. Lee, and I've used this illustration a lot, R.G. Lee, the great preacher of Bellevue Baptist Church there in Memphis, Tennessee, the one that Adrian Rogers would later pastor. R.G. Lee, on his first trip to the Holy Lands, was on the top of Mount Calvary on, at, on Golgotha, there on that, on that place where Jesus was crucified. The leader, the, the tour guide, looked at the group from Bellevue and said, Has anyone been here before? Dr. R.G. Lee said, I was, I have, I've been here before. And the tour guide said, well, when? He said, 2,000 years ago. Now, my friend, there's a lot of theological truth to that. You see, the reality is, in fact, I want you to take your Bibles from Romans, and I want you to go on past First and Second Corinthians. I want you to go over there to Galatians chapter 2, because I want you to see something today. You see, Jesus was dead. Jesus died. He took the penalty of our sin, which was death. Now, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, watch what Paul says here. Paul says this. Are you with me? Say amen if you are. Paul said this. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live but Christ lives in me, the life I live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Now I want you to think about that for a minute. Paul said this. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. What Paul is saying is, I died on Calvary. You remember me telling you the story of the missionary doctor? We had a hospital called Sanyati in Zimbabwe where we had a field hospital there when we were on the mission field. 
They said there was a doctor there that was working. In fact, one of our doctors there, Archie Dunaway, died. He died a martyr's death in Zimbabwe during the War for Independence. One day that doctor was working, and as he was working on a patient, a young intern who had come out there but was afraid, he was scared, he was, he was frightened. It was a war-torn country. It was very dangerous. And so the young intern just looked at the doctor in the middle of surgery and said to him, he said, you know, he said, aren't you afraid that you might die? And the doctor, the old missionary doctor said, no. And then he turned and looked at the at the young intern. He had that mask on, but his eyes kind of twinkled. He said, I died a long time ago. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Well, taking up his cross is not just a matter of denying self, it's dying to self. And so you see, Jesus was dead, and in essence, I'm dead. Theologically, I'm dead. I'm dead in Christ. Do you know this? The law has no jurisdiction over a dead man. Isn't that great? You see, Paul said we've been set free of the law. And you say, well, that doesn't make sense. But the law has no jurisdiction over a dead man. I've never seen, I've done a lot of funerals, but I have never seen the court subpoena a dead man to appear in court. Have you ever seen that? You know, in Virginia, at Virginia Tech this past week, there was, a, there was an officer killed. Did you see that on the news this week? And there was a man that killed an officer, and then later he killed himself. Now, I'm sure on that college campus, which has been torn so much, and I'm sure in that community, and I'm sure among the law enforcement there, that they would have loved to press charges against that man who had killed that officer. They would have loved to punish him. But they can't, because he's dead. They probably would love to give him the electric chair. They probably would love to give him lethal injection. But none of that uh, electric chair, lethal injection, none of that means nothing to that man, because that man is dead. In fact, they could take that man, strap him into a chair, and electrocute him anyway, but it wouldn't make any difference. He's already dead. You can't kill a dead man. The law has no jurisdiction over a dead man. Now, don't try that. Jim Jordan came by yesterday and was visiting there in the driveway with me, brought some donuts from Daily Maid who had sent them to the kids here. We figured we might as well up the sugar. If the parents are not going to come to church, we'll send them home all wired. Jim Jordan and I were talking and just standing out there, and I've rode with Jim a lot of times, and he said, man, one day, come on and let's ride together. And, you know, it's always enjoyable to ride and be the one in the blue light. I mean, under the blue lights. And I told you so often, Jim will look at me when he's, he gets out with that ticket book, and Jim's this big old tall, sharp-looking highway patrolman. He walks up to that window, and he'll look back at me, and I'll be going. Where I was going with that? No, I know where I was going. I've been with Jim a few times, and I've ne- we've never pulled over a dead man and given him a ticket. We pulled over a few people that wish they were dead. You see, the law has no jurisdiction over a dead man. And so Paul says, and he says to you and I, he says, I, am, I have been crucified with Christ. And because of that, I am dead in Christ. He died and I died in Him. 
And so the law has no jurisdiction. Now keep in mind the penalty of sin, the wages of sin, the pay of sin is what? It's death. Let me give you some statements real clearly and we'll close. Jesus was a perfect, sinless sacrifice. Okay, the, sin that sh- the, the soul that sinneth shall surely die. Okay, so guess what? Jesus is a perfect... What did John the Baptist say when he saw Jesus? Behold, the Lamb of God that washes away what? The sins of the world. Okay, so here we have a perfect, sinless sacrifice who took my penalty, took your penalty, and died in my place. Died in your place. In other words, I've sinned, I deserve to die. Jesus said, I haven't sinned, and I tell you what, I'll die in Jeff's place. Does that make sense? So here we have the death of Jesus Christ. Now the enemy, my enemy, cannot press charges, and the law has no jurisdiction. So I want you to see one more thing. Take a left, Romans Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, just go back from... From Galatians, go past Corinthians, Romans chapter 6. I want you to see this. This is, this is critical. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 5. Watch this. Romans chapter 6, 3 through 5. Listen to what Paul says here. He said, Or, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Okay, now let me explain the word baptize. The word baptize, when we baptize somebody... And this is why as Baptists we do it by immersion. Baptism means to be put in or put under, to be immersed, to be... You, you see the person... In other words, we'll say they're, they're buried. The old life is buried under the water. It's buried. The old man is buried. He's put away. And he's resurrected into a new life. In other words, he's immersed. When you and I are said to be baptized in Jesus Christ, what it means is this. I am immersed. I am in... Listen to this. Stay with me. This is critical. I am in... In Christ. I am in Jesus Christ. Wow, what does that mean? That means the penalty for my sin, death, has already been paid. That means the law has no jurisdiction over me. That means that in the presence of God, I'm sinless. Why? Because when God looks at me at the judgment, who does He see? He doesn't see me. He sees Jesus, a perfect sinless sacrifice. So there's no jurisdiction. Now watch what Paul goes on to say in in Romans chapter 8. Well, let's read. Look at 3 through 5. If we have been united with Him like this in His death, we will certainly also be united with Him in His resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Amen. Look at Romans chapter 8 verse 1. Romans 8, verse 1. Watch this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are where? In Christ Jesus. Now, one more thing. Go back to the left. Read Romans 3. Go back to Romans chapter 3, verse 21. But now a righteousness from God apart from law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith 
in Christ Jesus, in Jesus Christ, to all who believe. Does that make sense? Charlemagne, when they were, um, when they found his tomb, when they came into that tomb, Charlemagne's skeletal remains were sitting, they were sitting, on, he was sitting on a throne. Now all it was were the skeletal remains of Charlemagne. And when they looked, the crown that had been placed on the dead man's head was now falling over this skull and across his face like this. So you can picture this scene as archaeologists found this tomb. They said as they looked at the, to- at, the, at the throne, he was sitting on this throne, a skeleton, his great man Charlemagne. The crown was laid across his face, and in his lap was an open Bible. A bony finger was on the passage. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? You see, for you and I, who have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the law nor our enemy has any jurisdiction. He can't, I can't, I can't die, I've already died. Well, how did I die? I died in Christ. So I'm no longer, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. I'm a dead man walking, filled with God's Holy Spirit. I am filled with the Spirit of Christ. I'm now walking in Christ. I'm in Christ. If you get a letter from me, if you get any correspondence from me, it will always read, In Christ, Brother Jeff. If you get an email from me, in most cases it will always have, In Christ. Because see, positionally, I am in Christ. And that's why I can worship. That's why I can pray. That's why I can read the Bible. That's why I can rejoice. And that's why I don't fear. You see, God doesn't want you and I spending our life on the lake of life, inching and squeaking across and unsure and uncertain. Well, I don't know if I'm saved. I, I hope I'm saved. And Let me step out just a little bit farther while other people are popping that whip and living the victorious life. My friend, I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry about the judgment. Jesus Christ has already taken care of it. I won't be at the great white throne judgment because He's already taken care of that because I am in Christ. And I pray today that you have Christ in your heart. I pray that you've opened up your heart and said to the Holy Spirit, come in and be the Lord of my life. But I hope at the same time as you've done that, you understand the Bible says you have been baptized into Jesus Christ. We are one body. What does that mean? We are one body. We're all members of one body. Well, whose body is it? It's Jesus. And guess who's the head? The mind of Christ. Paul said, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Let's stand together. With heads bowed and with eyes closed, nobody looking around, I want to ask you a question today. If you died right now, do you know for certain where you'd spend eternity? 
Have you reached a point in your life that you've come under the conviction of your sin? And then and in simple childlike faith, you have said, Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. I know I'm separated from you. I know I'm I know that I'm dead, as Paul said in Ephesians 2 1, I'm dead in my trespasses and my sin. And Lord, I know the wages of sin is death. Lord, I know I deserve hell to be eternally separated from you. But Lord, I know that you love me. And you paid the penalty for my sin, which is what? Which is death. You died on the cross so that I could live. You paid my penalty so that I could go free in Christ. Maybe you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart. I want to encourage you to do that now. If Christ is dealing with you, if you say, you know, I understand, I understand what He's saying. For the first time, it makes sense to me. I understand it and I want to do that now. Then I want you to pray this prayer with me. With heads bowed and with eyes closed, dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know I've done a lot of things that I'm ashamed of. But Lord, I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me of my sin and to be my Lord and my Savior. I thank you, Jesus, for what the Bible teaches and this prayer that I pray. that right now I'm saved. Our Heavenly Father, if someone prayed that prayer and they meant it, dear Lord, they've understood it makes sense. They've somehow grasped how much God you love them and they've reached out in simple childlike faith. Paul made it clear that for anyone who would believe, Father, they have simply believed today And now they're going to live a life of trusting you. Father, if they prayed that prayer and they meant it, I pray, dear Lord, today that they would come and boldly make it public. And Lord, you might do a great thing in their life. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to ask our...